Our reading for today comes from Psalm 32, verses 1 to 7. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Say grace and peace be unto you from God our Father this day. That last week we began a new sermon series called Life-Changing Prayer. As we are in the midst of our congregational study, that opportunity to go before God and bring our needs, our requests, our very selves before Him. But as we come to today's message, I need to ask a kind of a personal question, though. Is it what is the dumbest thing that you've ever done? I'll give you some time to think about that. What is the dumbest thing that you've ever done? I mean, it could be just simply something that you just overlooked and over, you know, just over, it just simply went over into your head. Maybe it was that fact that you went on a two-week-long cruise and you didn't pack a single pair of underwear. That it could be something that you did as a child, something you did as an adolescent, something that simply you were like, oh, I knew it was wrong, but why did I think I could get away with it? See, I heard a gem of a story a number of years ago. Someone shared this with me, and it just simply made me smile. Now, the fact is, the problem is that while it was a number of years ago, I can't remember who it was that told it to me. <laughs> And so if it is your story, if you happen to be the one who told me this, don't worry, your anonymity is safe, because I can't even remember who told it to me. <laughs> See, the story was of this individual who, they had seen Mary Poppins for the very first time, and they were just enthralled by the very sheer grace and power and ability that she simply descended into life on, on that umbrella and then simply just lifted off back on out. Sure enough, just days after having seen that movie, there they were on the roof of their ranch-style home with umbrella in hand. But when it was time to jump, they were a little bit nervous, a little scared to go ahead and try out their tests. So they made their little brother jump instead. They wished that they were the one that had jumped because they now had to explain whose idea it was that now landed their little brother in the hospital with a broken leg. Now, I don't know if it's hard for you to think of that, what is the dumbest thing you've ever done? If you're like me, there's probably too many options that are vying for first place. But if you are one who can think of all of those things, 
than King David can relate. That David was known as a man after God's own heart, and yet David was one that when he sinned, he sinned big. (laughs) Or at least when the Bible records it, (laughs) we know of just how big it is. See, the fact is that in this life, that there are some people who feel Some people who feel that they are too good to be deeply forgiven, they just think and they say, well, maybe I've done a couple of bad things. I've made some mistakes. I'm not perfect. But really, what's there to forgive? There's others on the complete opposite side of the spectrum that I've heard of, of those who find themselves that they have done too bad of things to feel that they could be deeply forgiven, is that they've gone too far or done too much that they are simply worried and afraid. And maybe you're not those who don't feel that very reality of you're too good or too bad. The fact is is that there are some who know not only their need for forgiveness, but know the very deep grace of our God. That that is what we desire today, to come and to know that we have a God whose grace is big and huge and it is here for us today. Because King David found himself in the midst of that time writing Psalm 32, reflecting and looking back on the darkest places of his life. That he looks back on what began as just a small little thing, a matter of lust, a matter of coveting, a matter of a king who found himself up on his palace rooftop on the highest hill in the city, there simply looking out on his land like he did so many times before when he saw her. That he saw the woman bathing on the top of her roof, and David was simply captivated that he allowed his thoughts to linger, he allowed his sight to simply stay, that David continued to allow himself to walk down that path that led past simply a thought or a sight, but brought her to the very palace, committed adultery with her, sent her home back to her her husband and family as if it was nothing to him. And yet when he finds her to be pregnant, what does David do? He tries to hide. He tries to cover. He tries to pretend like there wasn't anything there. He manipulates and connives. He deceives. And eventually he kills his, her very husband in the battlefield. And how David lives thinking that he had hidden and covered and dealt with it. I mean, have you ever thought or connected how far it was between when David sinned and when David finally admitted his sin? That it was nearly that nine months of pregnancy and beyond. It was after that very place that he had now been dealing with this, now for nearly a year, and David describes it so well, that he says that when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as heat, as by the heat of summer. See, what did David try to do? That David was an expert just like so many of us. That David tried to minimize his sin. David tried to deny his sin. David tried to blame others for his sin. David tried to work out all of these very things that if you knew my situation, if you knew my upbringing, if you knew my very place, if you knew all of the stress and the problems and the issues that I have, then you would understand. Is that don't we often minimize what we do? Don't we often blame it on others? Well, what we did is not quite what they did. There were masters at not just hiding and covering, but weaseling our way out. And yet that guilt remains. That shame still hangs upon us. That as one person well put it, is that guilt is to the conscience what pain is to the body. That it tells us that something is wrong and must be made right. But too often when we feel that guilt, we feel that shame, somehow we think. When we can't deny it or blame it or shift it or minimize it, instead we try to somehow deal with it on our own. That by our good works, by our good actions, that we're going to make up for the wrong that we did by the good that we can do. Is that going to take it away? Or in others, that we are going to take that opposite approach, that we are going to beat ourselves up and make ourselves feel miserable and shameful and simply uh, the worse I make myself feel, then the better it must be, right? But is that how God desires us to deal with these things? That David tells his story and admits, finally, after all of this time, after all of this very effort, it still comes out. Not because he wanted to admit it, but because God sent to him that very messenger. See, David thought, just like Adam and Eve, that he could go ahead and hide, cover. That when Adam and Eve hid and ducked and covered in the bushes, when God came to walk within them in the garden, what were they thinking? I don't know if you knew this or not, but God's really good at hide-and-seek. Very, very good. I mean, He's just probably the best. He said, maybe if we hide in the bushes, He won't find us. Then maybe if I don't say my sin, then he won't know. <laughs> he already knows what you've done. But because you've hidden it and pushed it away and pretended it's not there, you haven't dealt with it. You haven't dealt with it. You haven't dealt with him, and you haven't dealt with others. David at first brings us that reality that we must uncover our sin and acknowledge it. That right after our reading stops today, we get these beautiful words. After David has now confessed and talked and shared what was going on in his life, we hear a word from the Lord. 
that God comes in this very psalm and says that I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you shall go, that I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I love that. The fact that God promises still His faithfulness to lead and to guide and to be with me, that His loving eye is still there with me. Then we get the next verse. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Now, I don't know how many of you out there have a mule or a donkey at home, but I'm guessing you probably know this. They're not known as the most cooperative of animals. No matter what good or benefit the very owner is trying to lead them to, no matter how good of a purpose that that master is trying to guide them by, they seem to resist, they seem to deny, they seem to stubbornly and obstinately and defiantly turn against. That when King David thought that he was living freely, that he was being the man that he was, he was just being another animal led by his instinct. And yet God comes not just to King David, but comes to us today and says, do not be like the horse or the mule or the donkey. Don't be a dumb donkey. That's right. A number of years ago I said, is the Bible calling me what I think the Bible is calling me? See, the fact is that what is it that we too often do? We stubbornly come to confession only when we find ourselves already caught. Did David choose to confess? Or did David confess only because of the consequences that he now faced? For his sin was one that threatened his person, threatened his family, threatened his profession, threatened his very children and everything that was there. That how many times do we mess with things that can ruin our reputation, hurt our loved ones, simply cause consequences that we do not want to deal with, and yet we still stubbornly charge on saying we can do it ourselves. God says to us that very fact, don't be a dumb donkey. But how does this psalm begin? How does this psalm start? That it starts with those very words of blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. It starts not with groveling. It starts not with David simply on the floor, simply just miserable. No, it starts with King David speaking of the blessing, the happiness, the joy that comes because God's grace is there from the get-go. God's mercy and His peace is there. That will we stubbornly try to hide and cover it and deal with ourselves or will we come to Him in prayer 
Will we come as those who are not worthy, but those who are dependent on Him who can give us every blessing, every gift, every very reason to hope? That Jesus Christ came that we might have that very peace, that we may find Him in our moments of need. That while the Lord is great at finding, He is not very good at hiding in hide and seek. That He says, here I am in my word, there I am in that gift of baptism, here I am in that very gift of the Lord's Supper, that here I am just a prayer away. Find the grace that is already there. Receive the mercy that I've already extended, that while you were still sinners, I sent my Son. That while you thought that you could hide in the darkness, I sent my Son to die in the darkness so that He might bring you light. And shouldn't this kind of grace change us? Shouldn't this kind of prayer change us? I mean, in the midst of my personal story, I think about some of the dumb things I've done. I mean, I remember still the time I was probably about 10 or 11, I was learning to golf, that I'd already been at it for a couple of years, that I would be out there in the backyard with those foam, you know, golf balls that my parents gave me. But that day I decided we were going to take it to a different level. It was time for some real golf balls. Don't worry, I was just chipping and pitching, nothing too big. So I was working my way from the backyard around the side of the house until I really got one. So I was pretty happy. I was, whoo, until it went right through my neighbor's across the street front window. I'd like to pretend like I marched into my parents and I said, Mom, Dad, I've got something to tell you. But we all know how that one went. The golf club was dropped and I ran and hid under that deck for the next half an hour. And I still deny to this day that I know anything of what happened to our neighbor's window. No, I'm kidding. I think I finally came clean. Fact is that my parents always knew that it was me. <laughs> but what is it that our God gives? He offers to us His mercy. It's just a prayer away for us to deal with all of that stuff that we carry, all of that shame, that guilt, that worry, that fear. He invites us to come. And as He says in verse 7, that, Lord, You are a hiding place for me. May you come and find that very peace that surpasses all understanding as you now come to him who is your very hiding place. For indeed, God invites us to make the words of Scripture our own. And so he invites us to bring him our weakness, our guilt, our shame. For these very things are not those things that drive us away from him, but they are the very things that draw us nearer to him. And so today, today we bring all of those broken parts of our lives, we bring all of that shame and that guilt, we bring all of our things, we bring them to the Lord. And so I invite you to join with me in those words of Psalm 51, another Psalm of David, of confession. Please join with me. 
Against you, Lord, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your willing spirit. Our God indeed has heard your prayer, and he now answers it with that very promise and assurance that he sent his Son who died for you. And so as a called and ordained servant of Christ, sent by God with that very message, that I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.